Hi, I'm Stathis, your host. Before we jump in this episode, let me introduce DevRelX. DevRelX is a hub for developer marketing and DevRel professionals. Stay home while DevRelX brings you rich content to boost your DevRel game. Access developer population insights, news, job openings, and more. Discover how to empower developers and grow communities at devrelx.com. Today's episode will start with a quote from our guest. So that's kind of my personal challenge. As for the other side, um, is you know, and that's a very common is how do you measure, right? How do you measure success? Um, but that's mm-hmm. sort of usually the question, right? Welcome to Under the Hood of Developer Marketing, a podcast from Smash Data. I'm Joe Stitchberry, one of the senior analysts in the team, and today I'm joined by Max Katz from IBM. Max, thanks for joining us. We've not met before, so please could you introduce yourself to me and to the listeners? Yes, hi. Thanks for um, inviting me. So my name is Max Katz, and um, I am right now with IBM, and I lead uh, the North America West Developer Advocacy Team. Although, you know, we, you know it's the... We covered the West region, but we spend most of the time in the San Francisco Bay Area, sort of for uh, obvious reasons. Um, and, you know, before that, I was at a company called Apri.io, also here in San Francisco Bay Area. It's a small startup, and I launched their um, advocacy program. Uh, but again, because it was a small company, I did a little bit of everything. Mm-hmm. Advocacy, support, uh, product. Um, sort of everything in between, um, but it, w- it was a lot of fun because we were able to grow the community from basically zero to um, four hundred thousand developers. So wow. That was a lot of fun. Before that, I was at a company called Exadel, uh, and it's a professional services organization, uh, more in the role of a sales engineer, uh, which I guess back then was maybe that was the developer evangelist role or name. Uh, back then, I think. Um, and then before that, I was at a small startup, and my first job uh, was at evite, evite.com. Oh, right, yes. Yeah, so that's... And uh, I believe you're a Java developer by trade, is that, is that correct? Correct, so yeah, so that's how I started as a Java developer at evite.com. So I, I guess, joined the real world uh, just at the very end of the first dot-com boom or crash, however you want to call it. Uh, so yes, at evite.com. Uh, that's how I started. Oh, I see. Yes, and I believe you've um, you've written for DZone as well, which is something that um, something that I've done. Um, so perhaps I should introduce myself a bit more to you, because um, I was also a developer initially. Um, C plus plus. I I started out working for Scion Software and then Symbian um, on mobile devices, and then went to work for Nokia and Sony Ericsson. And I uh, later moved into publishing and technical writing when I realized just how difficult it was to find good explanations of the difficult subjects, particularly mobile um, software development, which is quite esoteric. Um, and I've worked since in a number of teams, um, mostly in developer marketing, writing content for developers, but also as a, a product manager designing portals. And I currently work with Slash Data as a senior analyst and recently edited our multi-author book on developer marketing. And one of my side projects is working um, as a zone leader on, on DZone um, with their um, performance zone and also on their artificial intelligence zone. Um, and I believe that you've also um, written for DZone, is that right? 
Correct. Yes. Yeah. So I joined their um, MVB program, Most Valuable Blogger pro- uh, program, uh, many years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, where I guess right, you publish on your own blog, and then they pick up um, some interesting articles, and then republish on, on DZone. So yes, it's you know it's been working really well. So uh, yeah, so DZone is, is one of those places. It was um, it was very specifically for Java um, developers at the time. Is that is that what you were writing about when you were blogging? Yes. Yeah, so I started it was Java, um, but I guess now I mean they cover everything, right? So I started with Java, um, and I think it was even more specifically kind of the enterprise Java, um, I started writing about how to, you know, sort of build enterprise web applications. So that's really how I started my, my blogging uh, career. But yes, as I said, I think they, now they cover everything. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And do you think you need to be a developer to be effective in developer relations? I mean, you said you worked with a startup and you did a bit of everything, so you were doing a bit of product. So, I mean, clearly you need to be a developer to do that. But in a larger organization, and this is kind of a question that I think a lot of our listeners may be asking because they may not be developers and they're thinking of getting into dev marketing, but they're not sure if it's for them because they're not um, technically necessarily that experienced. Um, so, you know, what would be your advice to them? Yeah, so I think, um, you know, it could help in some situations, but I don't think it's a, it's a requirement. Uh, I guess, you know, it could, it could be helpful if you're a developer, you know, if you're, you know, writing sample applications or, you know, trying to fix a bug. Um, so that definitely helps. Uh, but even in those situations, it's not, you know, sort of a requirement. You can always, you know, sort of learn. But, you know, I'm sure, you know, I mean, under the sort of developer relations umbrella, there are different sort of roles. I mean, and one of them sort of is a, a community manager, right? Mm-hmm. And um, so, and you know, I think usually they're not uh, necessarily you know have a developer background. So I just just for example, I have a a programs person on on my team, uh, and and she's she's amazing, um, and she's basically our community manager. You know, she runs and executes all our event events. Again, uh, just an amazing, um, and you know, she doesn't have a traditional uh, technical background, but you know, she still does. You know, extremely well and again runs our our community i think often you just need the empathy really for you know if somebody's got a problem it's finding somebody else to connect them to or it's working out what you know people um want in an event whether they want you know quiet zones or whether they want a full-on entertainment and you know hustle and bustle of a, of a busy um conference meeting area um so it's more about the empathy with the with the the persona of the developer community as much as anything, isn't it? Getting under the skin of the developers that you're working with. Correct. Yeah, no, I agree. I mean, and again, just going back to the person, you know, that on my team, I mean, she has a lot of energy. I mean, and she welcomes everyone. She says hello to everyone, uh, to every person who comes to our events. Um, yeah, and, you know, if, if anyone needs help, you know, she knows how to, you know, she'll, she'll help, of course, but, you know, if, if she can always find the right people to to help that person so absolutely yes yeah yeah i think so so often we've heard on the podcast that um developer relations is a lot about it's just about making connections it's about knowing the stuff itself um and just because you don't you know you can't possibly know everything about even even your product um but it's finding the person who does and it's representing you know the developer to them and then to the developer isn't it so that um so that everybody gets the best out of that out of that relationship. So, what I really like to come back to a little is um, 
the kind of comparison between when you worked in a startup and you built a huge developer program with you know, great success to working for IBM, which is obviously has got a massive presence already. What, what would you say would be the, you know, the major difference and how do you kind of handle dev marketing differently? Yes. Yeah, so, yeah, I mean, going from a small startup to IBM, uh, you know, I, uh, so I've been at IBM for uh, a little bit over two years, but, you know, at the beginning, uh, I used to say it's like moving to a different country <laughs> because it is so, it is so massive and just, just so many people. But yeah, I mean, at a startup, um, you know, we, we were probably, what, 30 or so people. Uh, you get to do, you know, a little bit of everything, uh, so, you know, support, fixing bugs and in some product management and in doing demos and also of course traveling and you know and everything in between um you know ibm is you know obviously is a little bit different they're a lot more sort of structured they're a lot more different teams uh and they do something um you know very a lot more more specific so again for example my team um as I mentioned, you know, we cover the North America West region for developer advocacy. And, and most of the time, again, we, you know, we provide developer education and, you know, we host events and we run events, in-person events, and also online events. Uh, and we also write content. But now, it, although we do have an opportunity, for example, to, um, to write, to work on an SDK or maybe fix a bug, most of the time we spend on developer education. And then, for example, we have a, uh, you know, a separate team that um, their main job is to develop content, uh, you know, or what we call, you know, there are these code patterns. Um, if you visited IBM developer website, you probably um, saw them. Uh, but these are, uh, a code pattern is kind of a, it's a complete solution. It has a, you've got the code on, on GitHub, you got a, a short tutorial, you got a video, you got an architecture diagram. Um, so kind of a, everything you need is kind of an out-of-the-box solution that you can just deploy and, you know, you can use it as a starting point or you can, you know, break it and then fix it. Uh, so again, so there's a whole separate team that, that does that. Um, and then we also have, um, you know, uh, developer marketing separate from developer advocacy. And then we have a big organization that they work on open source. So again, developer relations, developer advocacy, but sort of more in the context of open source. Right. So it's a lot, more, a lot more sort of structured uh, at IBM than you know, at you know, small startups, for example, I think. Yeah, yeah, it's quite partitioned, isn't it? But I guess in some ways you feel like you can, because you're doing one thing and you're focused on that, you can really see um, the progress that you're making and, and just how that's contributing because um, you're completely sort of siloed on, onto that. And so as time elapses, you see the uptake of it. And I guess you, you, know, you see where you're going right and you can, you can adjust where you're, where you're going wrong. What would you say has been the biggest challenge at IBM? Yeah, no, exactly. Just to go back, yeah, absolutely. Um, because it allows us to sort of concentrate and focus on, you know, delivering uh, you know, high quality developer education. And also just quickly to mention, so, you know, so there's the North America West team, but there are also other uh, teams. Um, there's a New York team that they cover in North America East. There, is a, there are teams in, in Europe uh, and also in Asia. Uh, and then there are also um, what we call sort of global advocates. Uh, mm -hmm. You know, don't belong to any specific you know geographical area um 
a lot more structured than uh, at least my other previous company. And so you asked me, what are some of the challenges? Yes. Uh, um, so I think for me personally, um, one challenge uh, was, and, you know, still I think is, it's a more of a learning experience, is moving from being an individual contributor to a manager in, in, in developer relations, developer advocacy. Um, so that's um, a challenge, but I think it's a good challenge. I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a really great learning experience and I'm still learning, but that's sort of my personal, uh, I guess, challenge. Um, I mean, there are a lot of individual sort of contributors, a lot of really amazing people out there, but uh, there are probably there are fewer uh, leaders in, in developer advocacy space. Um, but, you know, even though it, I think it's growing as more and more companies um, sort of understand the value of developer relations and they hire these people. So that's kind of my personal challenge. As for the other side um, is, you know, and that's a very common is how do you measure, right? How do you measure success? Um, but that's mm. sort of usually the question, right? Um, in, exactly. In I mean, that's it. You can't easily um, apply metrics, can you, to develop a marketing, particularly not in a small, small community. But I guess um, when you've got so many different groups and units, perhaps it's a little easier. Well, how, how do you do it? Yeah, so it, it's, it's finding, so for us, as one of the KPIs that we have is a uh, number of active developers on our uh, cloud platform. And so that's probably very similar to, you know, um, other companies have, like, you know, how many API calls or how many, you know, projects were created. So that's one KPI. Uh, and it's, of course, it's sort of finding this balance, right, because this is number of active developers, something you can easily measure. But then there is this whole other side where, you know, it's just sort of, you know, it's helping developers, it's sort of um, winning their hearts and minds, right? And that's, as, as you know, very difficult to measure. Um, and you meet someone today mm -hmm. and, you know, and maybe in six months or, or a year, they'll, oh, I remember we went to an IBM developer meetup and, you know, they, they, they helped me, you know, learn this or do do this and but now i'm ready to to try what they showed me so you know i think this is challenging to measure you know something that will sort of happens you know in six or, or mm -hmm. 12 months so i think i think it's a balance right so i think you need to be able to measure something and then the other side is what i just mentioned mm, yes it's it's more of an invisible thing but it's I think um, we mentioned this in a previous podcast. It's very much, it's not necessarily um, that people remember exactly what you said, but it's how you made them feel. So if you made them feel welcome as the community or you made them feel like they could easily find the content they needed, um, then they're going to keep on coming back and accessing what you're providing to them. So, you know, they may not necessarily remember everything you presented at your developer event. The fact is, is that they know and they are encouraged to continue using your resources. Yeah, absolutely, exactly. And you know, I I uh, like to use. There's this quote from um, from Jeff Bezos actually, and the quote goes that you know, if we take care of our customers, uh, the stock will take care of itself in the long term. And mm -hmm. I think if you simply replace customer with, with developer, um, and you know, maybe the stock, but just say you know. Um, you know, if we take care of developers, you know, I guess the stock will take care of itself in the long term. I mean, that's, 
you know, in a way, uh, what we're doing, right? With, you know, we're just helping developers. And, you know, in, in the long run, um, I think they'll take care of the company. Yeah. Yeah, I think there's, um, there's been a, a growing understanding that developers do take care of the company, whereas perhaps um, five or 10 years ago, developers were, you know, quite niche to technical companies. Now, almost every company needs developers to do something with them, whether it's, you know, use their third party product or use a service that they provide um, or just be um, compliant with something that they're, they're providing so that it, it gains some traction and is um, taken up by more of the, the marketplace. Um, so when we're talking about developers as customers, you know, or replacing the word customer with developer, how do you see the difference between a standard customer and a developer customer what's the what's the big kind of overriding um differentiator um so i think i mean again for, for developer advocates or developer relations people i mean it's you know the developer is the customer um right mm. and you know i think at the end um you know as the code says right if we take care of of, of the customer or or the developer um, and again, by taking care, I think this is, you know, just helping them, you know, helping, helping solve their problems. Um, and I think genuinely help them. Um, they, you know, um, obviously, you know, if, if they like what, what they see, if, if they see that your service or product helps them solve their problem, helps them be a better developer, helps them do something faster, they'll obviously, well, hopefully, and they'll, they'll buy your service or product and, you know, and that will, in turn, you know, make your company successful, right? And that in turn, if you're public, will probably make your stack successful. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. But, you know, I think um, another thing is that, you know, developers like other developers. So whereas customers, I suppose, you know, these days we do, we all go on Amazon and read the reviews or Trustpilot or whatever. Um, but developers in particular have always done this, haven't they? It's always very, very much what, what are other developers saying about this product? You know, as a customer, I don't really want to know what the marketeers are telling me about it. I want to know what other developers that use it are telling me. And I want to know that those developers will be there in a community to help me solve the same problems that they encountered. Yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Um, so we talked a little bit about um, your, your role and how you've worked from a very small company up to a big company. Um, what, what do you particularly love about developer marketing? What is it that you know, gets, gets you up every morning and, and takes you into the office? Yeah, so um, I, you know, for me, it's really it's just helping, helping people, right? And I guess people, developers. Um, but it just makes you feel good when you can help, when you can help someone. Uh, and you know, just genuinely help them um, uh, be, be, be successful. Um, and I think, you know, when I have a question or I have a problem and, you know, I reach out to someone and, and they help me and that makes me feel good, right? It's like, oh, you know, there is sort of, you know, they helped me and now I can do this and I can do this better, easier, faster. That makes me feel good. And I think sort mm -hmm. of something very similar, you know, I want us to do, you know, for, for developers, right? If someone is having a problem uh, with something, you know, if we can help them. Um, hopefully they have the same feeling. <laughs> yeah. Um, yes, exactly. Yeah, you're giving them, you're giving them warm and fuzzies because um, you, you've done very much what, what's, what's helped for you. Um, did you think that you'd end up in that kind of um, reciprocal relationship when you, were, when you were younger and a developer or, or, or is this very much um, an unexpected career development for you? Yeah, I mean, I did not think I would end up in this um, in this role, um, you know, I started as a just a you know a Java developer, 
Um, but I think after um, after Evite, after I joined Exadel, which is um, you know a professional services organization, although they did have a number of open source products, you know I started doing um, a lot of demos for potential um, you know customers or clients, and I think that's how I sort of oh you know this is a lot of this is a lot of fun you know I can you know, I can help I can teach and, and I can show how this product can help them solve their problems. And I think that's where that sort of transition into developer relations, developer advocacy started for me. So again, I just enjoyed, um, you know, you know, teaching. And I've actually, for some time, I was traveling a lot and actually teaching, you know, three, four, five day uh, courses uh, and doing trainings, you know, on site. Um, and again, I, I enjoy that. And so again, I think that's yeah. where my transition sort of started. I see. Yeah, that makes that makes sense. And um, I mean, I, I guess those developers that are older like me have all done the kind of professional courses where you sit in a room for four or five days and you work through the paper slides and do a few few examples. Do you think that's the best way to learn how to code? And then you kind of go back into your day job and you try and apply it. Or do you think developers these days have got a much kind of easier or different route to learning, such as um, platforms where you can code along. I'm thinking of Udemy and um, some of the Udacity programs. What's, what, what would be your um, opinion of the best way for developers to learn, or, or is it very different for each developer? Yeah, I think like like a lot of things, right? It, it's probably very different for you know for every every developer, and sort of also depending on you know um, what they're looking for, or so maybe the requirements. But I think for us, for my team. Uh, we try to do a lot of hands-on uh, events, right? So when we run a meetup, uh, we try not uh, to make it like a lecture style, uh, but an actual hands-on uh, workshop because it is probably one of the best ways to learn. We actually build something. Um, so mm -hmm. we say, hey, you know, bring your laptop. You know, it's an, it's an hour and a half um, hands-on workshop. And, you know, we're going to show you how to build how to code, how to deploy something small. Obviously, it has to be something small. Uh, but again, I, I think um, that's you know one of the best uh, ways to learn is, is is when you try. So yes, uh, being hands-on is, is is still yeah. A great yeah. Way. So is that the end of books then? Developed books are just um, you know <laughs> a thing of the past, or or is there still a place for a paper publishing? Um, no, I mean, books are obviously still, I mean, and will be probably <laughs> for, for a very long time, still very, very important. But again, I think, you know, reading a book is, is great, but you still need to practice and you, need, you still need to, you know, run into problems and you still need to run into bugs, right? And you still need to figure out how to fix them. Um, I mean, again, just based on my personal experience, you know, I can read a book and look at the code and then think, oh, I can. Now I know how to do this. But no, once you start coding, you run into challenges and problems and bugs and so. Uh, and of course, if you're at a, a you know, hands-on event, I mean, you can all ask questions. You know, we've got developer advocates and you can, hey, you know, this doesn't work. So they can show that person, you know, what, how to solve this particular problem. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, I think there's, there still is a place for books. As you know, as I said, as an older developer, that's pretty much how I learned was going around the, the tube in London reading books on C++ and um, various other um, topics. But um, 
you're right, you don't take in as much as you think you do and you need to sit there and code. So I think um, developers these days probably have a lot more tools and opportunities, but then of course there is a lot more to learn because it seems like every week there's a new framework or a new language to try and experiment with. Um, it's a it's a really difficult environment that a lot of people find, and I guess that's what we do at Slash Data is we try and you know look at what people are finding popular and finding useful, um, and pick out the trends as we see them as as the developers report them to us. I, Have you um, kind of spotted any of this? Yeah, no, I know. I mean, on one hand, I mean, there are just so many amazing tools, and and there's so many tools to make to make development easy and fast, um, which is Awesome, but as you said, I mean, but on the other hand, there's just so many tools, so many frameworks, so many different platforms. You know, how do you right? And and there's a new one every day. <laughs> so yes, how do you exactly? And you can jump into, into the open source community for that one, and then you're contributing here, there, and everywhere. Yes. So how do you choose the right one, right? Um, and of course, if you go back, you know, ten, fifteen, or even twenty years, right? So you had a lot less choices, a lot less choices. Um, so that was maybe not as good, but on, you know, then as you were starting or looking, you know, you had only again a few frameworks to, to choose from, or maybe even just one. <laughs> well, um, that's right. You could write with MFC or ATL or whatever. <laughs> yeah. No. So yeah, I, you know, every every I don't know every time has its own you know <laughs> advantages or disadvantages. Yes. Yeah, like like yeah, like everything. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah, I certainly don't want to come across as, oh, these new kids, they've, they've got so much more going for them because I totally understand how difficult that must be. And um, I guess that's why, you know, there's people like you providing education and there's people like Slash Data providing um, information to guys like you. Um, so you know where to, you know, where to pitch your tent and where to direct people. What in IBM have you been up to recently? I believe you run lots of events, um, day events. That is that correct? Yeah, so because we're... I guess, you know, more of like a local team. Um, yes, we, we do uh, run a lot of events. Um, and so we run in-person events. And um, as I mentioned, so we try to make them hands-on events. Uh, we, you know, in the evening, kind of a more traditional time, we also run uh, a lunch and learn event um, during lunch. And we, we provide lunch. And, you know, this works really well because, you know, um, I think a lot of people... Um, who are in, in, in San Francisco, for example, during the day, you know, some of them don't want to stay uh, for an evening event. You know, they want to go home and to their families, you know, kids or partners, or go to the gym or just do nothing, maybe watch Netflix. And they, you know, rather not stay in the city. Uh, but of course, they're there during lunch. And that works really well for us. And, you know, again, we provide lunch. My guess, that's what attracts people. <laughs> we hope it's the content. But yes. if, it, if it's the lunch, that's fine. Um, we don't mind. Um, what else? We also run an online event uh, once a week. And, you know, again, if you, you know, if you're, don't want to go to a lunch event, if you don't want to go to an evening event, um, you can, of course, join us online from anywhere. And you can watch the recording. So that, of course, allows us to scale. And even though we're a team in San Francisco Bay Area, um, people anywhere in the world can watch and join the live event, but of course, watch the recording you know, anytime uh, from, from anywhere. Oh, right. Um, yeah, that sounds good. I think I might have a go at that. I, I, you know, I really like the idea of the Lunch and Learn event because I think, um, you know, as, a, as a, a woman developer, 
Um, you know, I have to get home because I've got a family to look after. That's not saying that all women developers have that or that it's just women that do it. I, I should clarify. But, you know, I know that I have childcare um, requirements and I can't stay to evening events in the city. Um, so I think it's absolutely fantastic that you're providing different opportunities at different times because I don't think every company does. Um, and I think if we want to encourage diversity in developer communities, this is exactly the right way to go. And I think you've worked with a few different organisations to build diversity. Is that, is that correct? Yes. So, um, exactly. So we work with organisations such as Women Who Code and other organisations. And, you know, and we, we support them and, you know, we, we sponsor them. Uh, and then we go um, and when they... Um, when they have their meetups, you know, we go and we provide very similar, you know, developer education to, um, to their communities. So again, even number one, we want to support them because I think they're doing a really amazing job, um, job in the community. Uh, and, and also, you know, we want to be, you know, also we want to reach new developers. Um, and I think going, working with other communities is, is a really great way uh, to do that. Uh, in a similar fashion, we work with other companies being in San Francisco, you know, there, there are, again, so many companies we can work with, but um, just some mm -hmm. examples, for example, we um, host joint events with Slack, uh, with, with Twilio, uh, with Cloudinary, uh, and many, many other mm -hmm. uh, companies in this area. And again, it works out great for us. Yeah, yeah, that's that's really interesting way to, to sort of mix it up. So, I mean, IBM's got a huge heritage um, and you've been there two years. What, what would you say is the best thing about working for the Big Blue? And, and um, you know, how, how have you found it um, in comparison to working with your startups that you, you've previously worked in? Yeah, you know, again, obviously very, very different environment. But I'm going to say that, you know, working at IBM has been really incredible. Um, the, uh, the people that I work with, um, and of course I spend most of the time in the developer advocacy organization, but even outside, I mean, people are just amazing. They're always, you know, ready um, and ready to help you. Yeah, it's, it's it, again, um, coming into IBM from a small startup, I was, you know, a little bit hesitant, you know, going from this, to this huge, huge company, but my experience has been just really, really amazing. It's a rich heritage in, in the company, which must kind of run in seams, I guess, through the expertise of its employees. Yes, yes. And everyone is very supportive. I love it. <laughs> um. <laughs> so we talked a little bit about the events um, and we also talked about diversity, but, but um, kind of stepping back from the diversity a bit more to identity. Um, I've asked other people about developer communities and whether they feel they have a very particular identity. Um, do you feel that certain events have? So, for example, I've been to WWDC and I always feel that that is incredibly intense, um, whereas some of the Amazon events are much more relaxed and kind of fun. It's not to say that WWDC isn't fun, but there's, there's a different vibe of these. Do you feel that the IBM events you do, the, the day events, have a particular identity? And was that something that you decided, or does it come about from the developers attending, or does it not exist at all? Am I just kind of making this up? Yeah. So I think for us, um, because our so we try our events are very uh, sort of very informal, very easygoing, and so they're obviously open to to everyone. 
So we don't necessarily sort of have like a theme, but as you said, I think just, you know, it, you know, whoever comes, you know, um, everyone is welcome. So that's how, um, I think that's how it works. But because again, they're, they're small. I mean, we're looking, we're talking about, you know, 30 to 40, 50 people events. Um, mm -hmm. They're again, very informal, very easygoing. I don't think we sort of have like a persona for, for our, our, you know, small, uh, small events. And I think it works quite well that way because then it's the, the people that are there form a real relationship with the others in the event. They get to know others that maybe they wouldn't otherwise meet. As you say, because it's a lot more relaxed, perhaps you get a bit more from it. Whereas at a, at a bigger event, it's quite, it can be quite intimidating for um, some developers, you know, particularly those that are struggling perhaps to make conversation with people they don't know. Yes. Um, whereas yeah. you're forced to in a small yeah, and I mean, we see people, um, you know, we've got, we have students coming, we have people who just finished uh, like a, a coding camp, we have designers coming and, and project managers, product managers, and we got startup developers and enterprise developers and, you know, everyone in between. So, yeah, no, and, 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 and we love this um, when we have everyone. So, mm -hmm. uh, I mean, that's, I mean, that's sort of, that's, I think, uh, for us, I mean, that's kind of the core of the community is, is you know, inviting everyone and um, where, you know, anyone with any, any background really can, can join and, and learn. Yeah, that sounds great. I think that's a real essence of developer marketing is, is that, you know, you can get anybody there. Anybody can do it. Anybody can learn something um, and everyone's welcome. That's, that's really interesting, Max. Thank you so much for joining the podcast. Um, and to the listener, thank you. Thank you for listening to Under the Hood of Developer Marketing Season 2. is a podcast devoted to developer marketing and relations. If you want to listen to other episodes, you can subscribe at developermarketingpodcast.com or follow us on Twitter at slash data HQ for regular updates. Thanks, Max. Thank you. It was fun.